Hello, welcome to a new episode of the Holmes Movies Podcast. My name is Anders Holmes, and I'm joined by my older brother Adam over Zoom in America. And today, the forecast, it's hot, everyone. It's warm. Yes. I feel like Martin Sheen at the start of um, Apocalypse Now. It is so steep, just humid and nasty here in Massachusetts. Um I have a fan on. I apologize to the listeners if that disturbs the audio quality, but if I didn't have it on, I would die. So, yeah, um, it's hot. Warm! Um, I can imagine you just, like, looking out a window and being like, Northampton, shit. Uh, that is how I actually react every morning, but for different <laughs> reasons. Oh, it's a lovely town. Don't diss it. Well, so we're doing, we're doing uh, hot films, uh, not... Yeah. No, don't get excited, horny listeners. Not that kind of hot films. Films that are temperature-wise hot. Yeah. No, so not the films that make you go, yeah, but films that make you go like, oh, it's so hot. Oh, I can't breathe. No, it's kind of hot in these rhinos. It sounded like a pervert on both the first two, but I did appreciate the Ace Ventura reference on the third one. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, films that are sweaty. Films that are this was a difficult list to put together. There's so many good candidates. It feels like, um, I mean, it's the thing. It's the old rule, isn't it? It's like you, you, when you make a story, you put your characters in tough situations, and one tough situation you put a character in is to make them really uncomfortable. Um, yes, but um, but we've tried to pick films that uh, are on brand for Holmes movies and also uh, kind of embody the spirit of the heat that we're going through. Um, speaking of heat, what is all this stuff about heat too? Uh, Michael Mann has written a book, which I think is like a prequel to Heat and a sequel or something like that. Apparently, it's and a, to... a prequel and a sequel. What the fuck is Michael Mann doing, and what's he doing writing a book? Uh, from what I gather, it's like a it's a backstory into the Robert De Niro character. Who gives a shit about that? I just want to. I just ah. Oh. When I saw Heat too, I was like, is he gonna make a? film like another heat like you know like with true detective right like that's what i thought when i first saw it. it's like why not make the same concept heat but with um you know different actors obviously um but set it in los angeles make another crime opera set in uh set in los angeles what's wrong with that michael mann i think he's too busy well he i mean he could he could have done too that busy but he, doing what well he's about to direct a film and he's just started filming uh with a film with adam driver about uh ferrari Adam Driver, yeah. Um, oh yeah, I think I saw something about that. Um, Adam Driver just is going through all the Italian like a- iconic brand names. So yeah, he went from Gucci, House of Gucci, Ferrari. Yeah. yeah, he'll be like um, Mr. Prada next time or something. <laughs> um, I don't know anything about him. Yeah, um, he could play Gianni Versace. He could play Donatella Versace. In fact, Lady Gaga could play Donatella Versace. Well, they already did do a Versace tv series about the murder of gianni versace which was one of those american crime story tv series i know i know um anyway more power to him that's not really relevant um because we're talking about the top 10 hot films um do you want to kick us off yeah let's get to the list let's get to the list out of curiosity have you seen any new films lately New films? No, but I'm going to see Nope tomorrow. Yeah, that's not coming out for another couple of weeks here. I really want to watch it. I saw a tra- I went to go see Bullet Train with Brad Pitt last night in, in an IMAX screening, and they showed a trailer for Nope. God damn it, that movie just... I just really want to watch that movie. Well, I'll tell you all about it, but um, yeah. I'm very excited to see it. Um, I have also watched... 
a film that could almost qualify for this list, but doesn't quite. One of our favorite movies, uh, Raising Arizona. I watched it last night. Oh, yeah. Good film. One film um, I did I, watch the other day, which I don't know if it counts, but like it, the Poseidon Adventure. That's not a hot film. That's a wet film. <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, but we, should do, we should do top ten wet films again. Not for horny <laughs> people. Sit down. No, stop <laughs> it. Yeah, my kind of list. Uh, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Well, anyway, no, to, 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 the original Poseidon Adventure with uh, Gene Hackman. With Gene Hackman and Ernest Borgnine and Shelley Winters, who was Oscar nominated for that film, and she was very good. Oh, I've never seen that. I, I, yeah, there was, there was a real vogue for making those like big kind of all-star cast disaster films back in the early seventies, like um, uh, the Towering Inferno, and then later on they did the Airport seventy-seven and stuff like that. Well, they did a bunch of those airport movies. You can actually get like a Blu-ray with like all four of them, right? I mean, and won? then there was Earthquake, which Charlton Heston was in. And what's the one with the bees? Or the oh the, oh, oh, the swarm with Michael Caine. That was that was actually produced by Irwin Allen, who produced the Poseidon Adventure, and then he directed the sequel to the Poseidon Adventure called Beyond the Poseidon Adventure. I just imagine when every time I think of the swarm, I think of just Nicolas Cage, not the bees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or just like uh, the Eddie Izzard sketch. I don't want to talk to you. You're covered in bees. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Anyway. Uh, bees uh, do appear during the hot weather, huh? <laughs> Segway. Um, they do, but um, but uh, we should we should do the list because that's what people. And if you into. see any on the ground that seem that are not moving, sprinkle a little bit of sugar on them, and then they'll then they'll fly away. What? Well, if you know, there's like David Attenborough thing when you see because like you know bees, you don't want like bees to die bees out. On the ground, put a bit of sugar on it and put it in your mouth, and it will be delicious. No, you're not eating it, but just like, you know, sprinkle sugar on it just to give it a little bit of energy, so it gives it like da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da to go off and pollinate so we have flowers, so we don't all die. I can revive a bee by putting sugar on it. That's amazing. Yeah, liquid, like just a little bit of water. Liquid sugar? Like water. A simple syrup. So like, do I have to use a fucking pipette? I thought I could just, like, you said sprinkle, but now you're saying liquid. You could either, like, I think you could either sprinkle or you could, like, get sugar in water and, like, drop a little bit. Oh, wait a second. That's why he wants it in that movie. Because he's a kind of insect. Yeah. This all makes sense now. So if I see a bee, I give it sugar. Yes. Yeah. Because, you know, we need flowers and oxygen because we don't want the whole planet. Thank you for mentioning this because, hello, one of the reasons why I am sitting here in 94 fucking degree heat with Fahrenheit, I don't know what it means, like 30 something Celsius, humid, nasty, uh, with a fan pointing at my face, is because of stupid fucking climate change. Um, and, um, And yeah, and the bees can help fight that, as can you, listener, by driving an electric car, if you're listening to this podcast in a car, or um, not uh, using all the plastic shit and um and all the other stuff that you're doing you yeah yes you dougie uh doing all this stuff that you're not supposed to be doing um with the climate stuff uh all the stuff that i do as well but i'm talking to you um listener stop it stop it um why 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 are you signaling out dougie what did he do oh i don't know <laughs> what's dougie doing to the something <laughs> he's done something i know it yeah I mean, I was in Spain and that was pretty hot, but like it was hotter in England. Like it was that that week when it was like forty degrees for like the first time in like ever. Yeah, London's was, burning. Yeah, yeah, London's burning. There's um, there's talk of a new. 
Joe Strummer documentary. Anyway, no, this is not relevant. Yeah. We keep trying to start this list yes. and we keep failing. Um, and uh, sorry, so, so, um, at, but, uh, at, yeah. So just, 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 can we, can we get into this, please? Can you name what the yeah. tenth film okay. is? So, we so at, ten, at ten, at ten degrees. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, ten Celsius. T that's cold idiot what is that number 10 <laughs> okay at number 10 is ice cold and alex which is a film i haven't seen yet but i uh, really i uh, really want to I, I keep confusing it with ice station zebra but for some oh, reason yeah, I know. So ice ice station zebra zebra whatever is a um is a cold film uh ice cold and alex is a hot film um because it is set in the desert in north africa in, in the second world war um and it's one of those. Um, it's directed by J. Lee Thompson. Oh, um, he did uh, the Guns of the Navarone. Guns of Navarone. Guns of Navarone. The Superfly TNT. Uh, yes, and also Cape Fear. And um, one of the Planet of the Apes films. Ever heard of Planet of the Apes? Um, <laughs> the um, it uh, it stars a brilliant cast. It's got John Mills uh, and Anthony Quayle. Um, it's got that guy Harry Andrews that will recognize from a bunch of stuff. Um, it's about a, an ambulance uh, and, and the crew of this ambulance, and they're lost behind enemy lines because of the retreat uh, after the Battle of Gazala in 1942, I think. Uh, and, um, and, and, and so they have to get this ambulance from like the, the middle of the desert back to Alex, Alexandria. And the whole you know, it's a desert survival film, right? And so it's like quicksand, you've got your quicksand, you've got your sandstorms, you've got Germans, uh, you've got all this other uh, peril and hot, it's hot in the desert. And the main character played by John Mills, the leader of this crew, um, is just obsessed with the idea of getting back to Alexandria and having an ice cold beer, hence the title. Um, so yeah, it's a film I think is very relatable in this kind of weather because you think when you're in this kind of weather, what do you dream of the most? You dream of being in a swimming pool, we'll come to that later. And you dream of um, you dream of having a really nice cold drink. Like when you were in, you know, wherever the Ibiza or wherever the fuck you were, um, you, were uh, you, you, you know, you had a nice cold drink all the time, didn't you? Yeah. I wasn't in Ibiza, um, I was in uh, Mallorca. Oh, yeah, I know, I'm just taking this. Um, I had a, yeah. I, one night, one night I had a Negroni and that wasn't a good idea. Well, it depends. I mean, one Negroni is fine. Um, well, I had one Negroni. I, yeah. I have, uh, I have, I have done. I have overindulged uh, in the in that department before. Um, but we, we know, we live and learn. But yeah, no, Ice Cold and Alex is great. It's got really, really good. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a proper kind of um, character-driven adventurous war movie without the propaganda because it's made in the 50s it's not like it doesn't have that 1940s kind of schlockiness about it um anthony quayle is really really good and john mills is excellent um and um yeah it's just uh, it's just a perfect like sunday afternoon um movie um and the beer when the beer does appear uh it is a it's a great moment uh, and actually it made all the more so because the fact that when um when john mills drank the beer he drinks it all in one you know, in one uh, go, and um, he um, he obviously they did several takes, so he got absolutely wasted when he was doing the when they were doing the film, um, which I was quite like to imagine. Um, anyway, um, what is it? it, it uh, I was just looking through it on Wikipedia. Isn't it Carlsberg they drink? Oh yeah, I think it is. <laughs> if Carlsberg did beers at the end of a long arduous World War Two mission, yeah. Um, 
So the, what I'm sort of gathering from this film, from the way you've described it, it's basically, it basically, 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 <laughs> basically like uh, Flight of the Phoenix, but instead of an ambulance, or instead of a plane, it's an ambulance. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's also about a film about a quest for a cold beer. And I think we can all relate to that. We can't all relate to being in World War II, but we can relate to wanting a cold beer. Yeah. I was just looking at Wikipedia. It was released in America. There was like a shortened version of the film in 1960. Just the beer. <laughs> Not the beer. <laughs> it was just, it was a, they, they, because the film is like just over, just over two hours and then they have a, a 76 minute version. And in that, and it was released in 1961. And um, it's called Desert, Desert Attack. Desert Attack. <laughs> desert Attack. <laughs> oh my God. Um, well, don't, don't watch, <laughs> don't watch Desert Attack if you, even if I don't know if that exists anymore, uh, don't do not watch Desert Attack. Watch Ice Cold and Alex. Now let's move on to number nine before I dehydrate and die. So number nine is the movie Body Heat, which with... I have not seen. Yeah, it's it stars uh, uh, William Hurt, who uh, sadly passed away earlier this year in March. Um, well, apparently a bit of a prick. Was he? Apparently, if you ask uh, Marley Matlin, yeah. Huh. I, I did not know that. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, William Hurt. Yes. And yeah. So it's um, who else is in the movie? Uh, Kathleen Turner. I just saw her in Serial Mom. Have you ever seen that? Uh, no, but I did buy I did buy it on Blu-ray based off your uh, your recommendation. Great film. Um, uh, so it stars uh, yeah William Hurt, Kathleen Turner, Richard Crenna, who was uh, famous for uh, uh, the Rambo films. Yep. Uh, Ted Danson, okay, and uh, very briefly, uh, Mickey Rourke. Wow, wow, there's a lot of salty personalities in that film. Yeah, so the movie is uh, written and directed by Lawrence Kasdan, who uh, of course wrote films like The Empire Strikes Back, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Return of the Jedi, The Bodyguard, uh, and uh, did films like The Big Chill, Silverado, uh, Wyatt Earp. Uh, Dreamcatcher, and uh, this was his first film as a uh, writer and director. And um, the film is inspired a little bit by Double in Double Indemnity, and it's set in South Florida during a massive uh, heat wave. In the beginning of the film, uh, William Hurt is standing in a window, wearing just you know bare chested, wearing pants, and he's watching like this house on fire, and he's talking about like, oh, I used to go there as a kid, now it's gone, and it's a little bit of like a metaphor for. Uh, uh, what happens to his character in the film a little bit and um, uh, ironically enough it wasn't actually hot while they were making the film it was actually it, it was it was quite cold <laughs> so they had to like make the film quite they had to do some trickery to make the film like appear to be like boiling while they were making it uh, John Barrett South Florida how does it ever get cold in South Florida what the hell did they film it uh, anyway uh, I don't know. I just so, imagine but... Florida always being uncomfortable. <laughs> well, it, for lots of reasons, not just the temperature. Yeah. So he plays a lawyer and he starts an affair with uh, Maddie Walker, played by Kathleen Turner, whose uh, wealthy husband named Edmund. Um, uh, they start having a very, like, very, like, like, uh, full on, like, sexual affair with each other. And, you know, and I think they had to, like, cut around a lot of the more sort of uh, graphic. Uh, sexual stuff Jesus. in the in the movie um but um yeah it's it's a the, the, their uh, chemistry in the movie is really really good and oh, uh, 
and I, I mean, like I said before, it is inspired by double indemnity. So you can have a little bit of an idea about what is uh, what's going to happen in this film. Yeah. So uh, rich husband, <laughs> what, uh, unhappy wife, sort of, uh, you know. Yeah, fill in, the, fill, in the, fill in the gaps, people. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's, um, yeah, it's a really, really good film. Uh, it's very hot. I mean, the, the, in both senses of the word, it sounds like. Yeah, and uh, it's very, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very, it's a very sexy film. It's really like, it's a really kind of like, you know, not in like a really graphic kind of way, but it's like really kind of interesting the way they do it in a very tasteful kind of way, not in that sort of like Paul Verhoeven, Joe Esterhaus kind of way, <laughs> where it's just flapping at the screen kind of thing. Right. Uh, yeah, <laughs> nicely put. Okay, well, I will make sure to give it a watch. Um, where to next? So at number eight is uh, La Piscine, which is the Alan Delane film. Alan Delon. Delon. Um, Also a man with a shady past, perhaps, uh, allegedly, Um, but uh, still alive. So I don't want to get into any legal trouble or indeed into a dust bin in central Paris. Um, uh, Yeah, so La Piscine, um, and let me just say as a... uh, perhaps to try and redeem myself for the Alan Delon fans out there, genuinely one of the most beautiful men ever created. Oh, yeah. Um, um, and, uh, yeah, so La Piscine, directed by Jacques Deray from 1969. It is a slow-burning Patricia Highsmith-style thriller set in a holiday home in the south of France. And you got yourselves a, a very handsome couple in the shape of Alan Delon and Romy Schneider, um, holidaying in this house and sort of out of the blue-ish Romy's old flame Harry played by Maurice Ronay and his daughter played by Jane Birkin show up and um, and tensions ensue um, this film was remade as a, a bigger splash with the which race I have seen, film. it's really good yeah um, and uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's dark and uh, stuff stuff goes down and it is very very stylishly done uh, and you can really feel the heat and uh, and then when I mentioned swimming pools earlier, I mean it's like when I was watching this the other night um, in my stifling apartment, watching them just sort of cavort in the swimming pool, I was like, God damn, I want to be in that pool and uh, and I was thinking of you on your holiday in the uh, in the Mediterranean, but of course. We will. This is not our last film on this list that features a, a swimming pool in a notable, in a notable role. Um, but uh, Jane Birkin, uh, Birkin is really good in this. Um, it is full of, um, uh, in the same way that Body Heat is, is and like I, mean, I think this is a, probably a feature of hot films. There is a lot of body heat in these uh, in these movies, and, there's, and they do it again. They do it tastefully and well in this uh, in this film. Um, all the all the sultriness. Um, so, um, so highly recommended. Uh, it is playing on the Criterion Channel in the United States of America at the moment, um, but it is probably quite widely available, I should imagine. Yeah, um, I've seen it on DVD or Blu-ray, so it's easy to get a hold of. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so you know, have at it. So, um, you know, bit of uh, bit of holiday, um, bit of holiday viewing for you. Um, is anyway. it? Is it? Is it better than? A bigger splash? You know, or... I haven't seen. I haven't seen bigger splash, so I wouldn't know. Okay, so you watch it and you tell me. Yeah, I I did like a bigger splash. It was really good. I just uh, just uh, I I'm surprised Ray Fiennes did not get an Oscar nomination for that film because he's fantastic in it. Mm. Well, he's 
he gets a lot of recognition, doesn't he? Um, but yeah, um, I, uh, I, I I would like to see that. Um, uh, Jack DeRay doesn't look like did that many other like truly great films, but um, this I think is uh, this I think is a very good, a very a very solid, um, you know, picture. It's not um, it's not really new wavy. It's not avant garde, but it's just it does what it does impeccably. Um, um, and it's uh, as I say, it really builds the tension well. It's it's proper sort of you know talented Mr. Ripley style. Wait for the um, yeah. you know wait for the moment to really kind of like strike um so um yeah top top thriller um what's next at number seven is the john sturgis film bad day of black rock which um has uh, an all-star cast of uh, great american actors you got spencer tracy you got lee marvin you got robert redford no robert, robert ryan, ryan. Sorry. <laughs> sorry uh I said Lee Marvin, uh, Ernest Borgnine, who gets the shit kicked out of him by, by Spencer Tracy in a yeah. great, one of the best fisticuff fight hand-to-hand combat scenes I've ever seen into in a film. Um, and also one of the most satisfying moments in the movie. Um, it uh, It's a film that I don't think gets talked about as much. It's a little bit of a modern-day Western. It has a little bit of noir in it as well. Would you, would you class it as a noir film or more of a, as a Western? Yeah, but you also forgot Walter Brennan. Oh yeah, Walter Brennan's in the movie as well. Yeah, Walter Brennan. Um, uh, yeah, oh, absolutely. I think it's both of those things. I think it's both a noir and a western. It's um, uh, yeah. So it's Spencer Tracy plays a uh, World War II veteran, I guess. He goes out to um, um, and plays quite an old World War II veteran. Um, he goes out to the to the middle of nowhere in the desert to this little town uh, called Black Rock to um you know, to uh, deliver uh, something or other, maybe it's a medal, I can't remember, to the father of this guy he served with, who turns out to have been a Japanese-American. And the guy, the dad is no longer around. And it turns out the town has a guilty secret um, that it's covering up. Um, and um, and he exposes it. And it's an interesting kind of high plains drifter kind of thing where he's he's almost a sort of, he, he only has one arm. He's dressed in this black suit. He looks like an undertaker. He He's almost kind of a force of nature, you know? Yeah, and people are very sort of like, who is this guy? What, what's he? What's his deal? And everything like that. And, and uh, they sort of uh, underestimate underestimate him. Yeah, there's that great scene where he's menaced by Lee Marvin, um, which is so uh, Marvin is just so good in this movie. Um, yeah, but it, I think the the picture really belongs to Robert Ryan. Robert Ryan is so menacing in this. Yeah, he's um, um, he's a guy that holds a lot of influence and a real hold over the town and. Uh, Draws a lot, of water, a lot of water in this town. Yeah. <laughs> you don't uh, draw shit in <laughs> I don't like a jerk off behavior and I don't like a jerk off face. And I don't like you, jerk off. Yeah. Um, um, a little bit similar to his character in Crossfire, a little bit. I mean, just. Yeah, yeah, but I think more. Yeah, he's it's sort of. it's he, He's like a very archetypal Robert Ryan character, you know, powerful, menacing, and, and attractive, you know, sort of magnetic in this way. He's not repulsive like. Uh, you know, like some of the sort of more grotesque characters like Lee Marvin and Ernest Borgnine are in this film. He's charming, He's, but he's also, from the moment you meet him, you know, you realise you're dealing with a different beast. Um, it's a great, again, speaking about building the tension slowly, great, great way of, uh, great um, uh, example of that. Yeah, the music's really good. It's uh, Andre uh, Previn who did the music for the film. 
yeah um and john sturgis directs it very well he could he was good at an ensemble cast yeah i mean the guy directed uh the one of the great ensemble cast movies of all time the great escape yep and he also and he also directed speaking of which he also directed ice station zebra Ah, it's all come full circle maybe we should do a top 10 cold films at some point well no we did well we did do winter films Oh yeah, we. Oh God, fuck's sake! Jesus, we did, we did that at the we beginning of the year. We've literally done that already. All right, all yeah. Right, all right. And he also did uh, Gunfight at the OK Corral. That's right. And... Which, has one, which has one of my favorite like freak out moments from Kirk Douglas when it's after uh, one of the Earp brothers has been killed and he goes to uh, his girlfriend in the in the film and it's like, was Ringo there? We're in your <laughs> Just like that kind of thing. There was a razor back in my truck. <laughs> there was a razor back in my truck. <laughs> um, yeah, he he chews every bit of scenery in that film. Uh, also has a young Dennis Hopper in it. Uh, a gunfight. Yeah, Dennis um, Hopper. Yeah, he, he Dennis Hopper showed up in a bunch of westerns, like yeah, Sons of Katie Elder, True yeah. Grit. Yeah, he's very good in westerns. Um, and um, uh, the other film that John Sturgis directed that we've enjoyed is uh, the eagle has landed oh he directed um, that as mad, well mad world war ii film. yeah yeah yeah. and the magnificent seven he did that and i, I mentioned that earlier. yeah um magnificent seven by the way also a hot film but not on this list yeah he also did that john wayne movie McHugh, where he plays like a cop in an american cop in england or something no that was a different movie that's brannigan this is this is getting too <laughs> Off, off topic, Anderson. Um, can we carry on, please? <laughs> yeah, sorry. I just got like because he's like he plays he played like a cop in like two films, and I thought it was McHugh, but then it was Brannigan. Yeah, I love um, how, I love how they were like you know let's try and cash in on the on Dirty Harry by casting John Wayne wearing a tweed suit like f- fatly making his way around London. <laughs> like, <it's> not, <laughs> not um, yeah. Right. Anyway, we, uh, so at number six is. Uh, I think a lot of these movies that are based around Tennessee Williams plays, I think they're always so like sweaty and hot given the sort of, you know, the themes and what's happening and stuff like that. And it's um, a streetcar named desire. Yeah. That's a very, very hot film set in New Orleans, which um, is capable of getting very hot set in inside on air conditioned flat, Um, very close quarters, uh, a lot of sexual tension, a lot of people who work in, labor-intensive jobs and um and have very very sweaty vests i'm looking at you marlon brando and uh yeah i mean it, it's a it's a hot film but it's yeah that, you're right that whole like southern gothic movie genre does have a lot of uh of, yeah. of sweatiness in it there's like a lot all of- those like courtroom films that are set in the deep south you see all the people like in the in the audience like just with fans just <laughs> yeah like that and also the big you know the propellers not the propellers the fans and the roof and stuff the propellers. <laughs> Although I, I, I would, I wouldn't mind a, a, an actual propeller blowing at me now. Um, yeah, no, that's the. There's a whole, there's a whole like we could have done top ten uh, films set in the South that are sweaty easily. And because, I mean, like, I, I feel like half of our list basically already is that. I mean, you look at uh, my brother, where art thou? Is kind of sweaty. Uh, you've got um, a cat on a hot tin roof. Um, you know, uh, all these movies have. Uh, have a lot of heat going on um <laughs> uh, but um yeah. uh but, but uh, what do you think about streetcar um i enjoyed it it was um 
very interesting film. Uh, Vivian Lee is really great as Blanche. Very um, uh, quite a, a tragic uh, figure in the film. But I was, I mean, I was quite, I don't know, I was quite shocked of like how horrible uh, the Marlon Brando character Stanley Kowalski is in the film. And um, yeah, he's I mean, he's a real piece of work. He's a real piece of work in that. And uh, I don't know, because like the, the only thing that I knew about Streetcar Named Desire was from The Simpsons, because they have that episode where Marge is in a play, which is based like around Streetcar Named Desire. It's like a musical, like, oh, Streetcar, you know, that that great episode hey, with, uh, with, uh, uh, with uh, John Lovitz playing the director. <laughs> he has just who's brilliant in that episode that is a, that is a fantastic episode of the simpsons and that is it is also hard for me to um separate uh that simpsons episode from the film but no it's it's i think it's a i think it's a pretty good um play on film you know it's uh and there are some great cinematic moments like the bit where um the bit where stella forgives stanley you know the first time around with the hey mm-hmm. stella scene, yeah you know um that is um that is some excellent uh that's an excellent piece of movie making with the music and with the whole yeah. staging of it uh, and also extremely sweaty yeah but i mean he did um he did a bunch of those uh he did a few well he did a couple of uh, uh tennessee williams uh adaptations Who? he did he did Ilya kazan Ilya kazan he did uh streetcar named desire in 51 and then five years later he did uh baby doll hmm with uh, with with uh, Carol Baker, Eli Wallach, and Carl Malden. Carl Malden is in the film, and he was uh, he was great. Carl Malden in the movie, I yeah, thought. Carl he, Malden's he... really a sort of Ilya Kazan uh, stock player. Yeah, he's he's very good in it. Um, so too is Kim Hunter. Kim Hunter's the one who played um, who played Stella. Yeah, um, yeah. It's got a it's got a lot. Um, it's got a lot of really good people. Um, and um, Kazan, who you know has his problems as a political figure in american in film history as uh yeah we did we uh, mentioned on the podcast that he named names and then when he received an honorary award at the oscars a lot as some people did not clap because of that yeah there's also that famous bit where orson wells talks about him and he's just like fuck that guy oh yeah um, i've seen that i've seen that clip going around a little bit yeah but um but no he mean a very skilled director and a very skilled um you know translator of the work of people like Williams to the screen, which is, you know, that's hard to do. Um, you know, it's, I think there's two major adaptations of Streetcar, of, of the play Streetcar. One is this, which is a straight adaptation, and the other one is Blue Jasmine, right? You know, that's, and mm-hmm. I feel like Blue Jasmine works because it it separates itself from the source material sufficiently that you're not sort of constantly comparing the two. Um, but this um, this feels very true, and, um, and it's sanitized just the right amount for Hollywood. It doesn't feel too tidied up because you can still you know you 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 don't have to read between the lines you know you know what's going on um mm. but um but it doesn't have it doesn't um it ca- I, I really feel like this film came out at the right time i feel like if it had been made in the 70s it would have been too over the top too exploitative um and yeah um, it's it's it, it really benefits from being in black and white and being made when it was yeah the cinematographer was uh uh henry a straddling he did a. He was, I know who that is. He was a cinematographer on hundred. He has one hundred and thirty films uh, to his credit. Uh, did a few. Did a few Hitchcock films. Jamaica Inn, Mister and Mrs Smith, Suspicion. Well, he was right. He did Johnny Guitar. 
Uh, yeah. He uh, did uh, Easter Parade. No, actually, and just, you know, no one's interested in this. Let's move on. Um, but uh, yeah, if you haven't seen Streetcar, bloody hell, uh, it, it, it's it's good. Like, really worth it. Yeah, I haven't seen it in a really long time. I um, I would like to watch it again. I think it's, uh, I think HMV have it as part of their... Uh... HMV still exists. Yeah, well, they, they some some of their shops still still exist in, in England. They have it part of their uh, sort of pre, they have it as part of their premium collection, uh, along with uh, Bad Day and Black Rock and a few other films, a bunch of films. There you actually, go. you can buy physical media instead of just streaming it. How's that? Um, yeah. Well, so yeah, I recommend this is one film. In fact, all of the films we've mentioned are worth getting on DVD um, or Blu-ray or whatever. Um, so, yes, moving on. Yeah, well, we're at the sort of midway points. Maybe we can Are read it already. Jesus, okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, uh, have we had any mail this week? Mail correspondence emails? <laughs> have Please. we had any mails? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you can you can write to us at uh, you know number three um, made up address Boulevard. Um, but uh, what um, what would uh, what have people been saying on what social media? I want. <laughs> what, what I want. What have people been saying on social media? Godfather is a hot movie. Sometimes, sometimes it's a cold film. So yes, it's not, it doesn't count. I mean, basically, the problem with the Godfather is it's got so much going on that you could put it in any top ten. Yeah, it's true. I mean, we've probably put it quite a few we've times. Used it quite a few times, yeah. And that's yeah. why we couldn't use it in the gangster ones. Just like, enough, you know. When people get it. The Godfather's good. Um, wh- uh, who has written? So, uh, straight to DVD podcast at straight to DVD pod. They wrote. Top Gun is the sweatiest movie of all time. Well, that's probably not true, but it is very sweaty. I mean, a lot of Tony Scott films are pretty sweaty, especially that submarine movie he did, Crimson Tide. There's a lot of, like, sweat dripping off people's faces and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just a very hot atmosphere. You know, Gene Hackman, you know, just telling Denzel Washington, he's like, I'm the captain of this ship. Shut shut the fuck up! (laughs) Hmm. It's, um, it's, a, it's a fantastic movie. Great cast as well. Viggo Mortensen, James Gandolfini. Just a wonderful cast. Wait a second. You're, talking, you're not talking about Top Gun. <laughs> no, no, I'm talking about Crimson Tide. You're like getting James Gandolfini in a fucking cockpit. I mean, no offense, but like, um, no, no, Top, uh, Top Gun is a Top, Top Gun, the first one is great, is, is good fun. Uh, the second film is just one of the greatest movies of all time. So I hear. Um, Tarantino said it is. So, you know, that's official. Tarantino is. A lunatic who should not be trusted um i um what uh okay top gun yeah sure it's not in this list but um i i do think it's a worthy contender there's a lot of films that we had as contenders that that missed out so uh the smoke and mirrors podcast at smoke and mirrors oz uh they wrote uh mine is shawshank redemption the rooftop scene with the beers Right, yeah. Again with the cold beer theme. Um, I like it. I like where they're going with that. Um, also, prison films are pretty sweaty most sweaty. of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not great air conditioning in 1920s prisons. Um, good contender. There is a prison film on this list, but it is not Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Best Film Ever podcast at Best Film Ever Pod. They wrote. Yeah, by the way, those guys really are on Twitter. I, I, I feel like I see a tweet from the Best Film Ever podcast every five scrolls um but um so we should we should take inspiration for them and from them and up our game but yeah nice, uh, nice he, to hear from them yes he wrote uh well sorry they wrote uh cheers S- cheers said it first cheers is in the tv series yeah but sweatiest film of all time has to be cool hand luke well 
um, we'll uh, we'll see if it makes the cut. Um, but that great shout outs. Those are all really, um, and, you know, from our colleagues, from our podcasting colleagues. Yes. Fellow swingers of the holy microphone, um, you know, uh, donors of the wearers of the headphones of destiny. Um, yeah. Thank you, lads and ladies and whoever you are. Um, good, good shouts. Oh. Also, do check out their podcasts as well. Yeah, so that's what Straight to DVD, Best Film Ever, and Smoke and Mirrors. Yeah, right. When we uh, post the episode on our Twitter page, we'll uh, tag you, tag them in, and we'll also put their uh, episode, you know, their podcast information in the episode description. So do check them out. Yeah. So what are some other um, hot movies that didn't make the cut for you, for this list? Well, I, um, I was thinking about one because uh, we were talking off camera or uh, not off camera off podcast about uh like desert films because most desert films are pretty hot and i started to think about uh walkabout the nicholas rogue film oh fun. yeah i haven't seen that but i was also thinking thinking about films about the desert there's also the three barrels of melchiada sestrada that's a sweaty film yeah that's a sweaty film very <laughs> pretty, pretty pretty like just that's a that's a brutal film that but, but brilliant but so good seriously the three burials i watched it again recently holy holy christmas what a good film that is yeah and uh there's another film that was set in australia uh picnic at hanging rock that's kind of a hot film as well have you ever seen that who's the proposition the proposition is hot and sweaty oh yeah the proposition i've seen picnic at hanging rock uh, picnic at hanging rock picnic at hanging rock piglet at hanging rock yeah uh picnic at hanging rock is pretty hot but it's not it could be hotter it could feel hotter i think walkabout is the one that should feel more um should feel more aggrieved at not making the cut yeah also, if anyone hasn't seen Walkabout, I highly recommend it. It's a fantastic movie. So a couple of... Uh, we mentioned Apocalypse Now. That's very sweaty. Didn't make the list. Um, also, another war film, also set in sort of jungle areas, uh, is uh, The Thin Red Line. That's a very sweaty film. Didn't make the list. Platoon. Um, Platoon is also another film. Platoon, where... Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, jungle jungle war adventure movies... All of them are going Actually, to be Actually, one now that I think about jungle and film, uh, one film which came out in um, in uh, 2017. It's a James Gray film with uh, Charlie Hunnam, Robert Pattinson, and uh, Tom Holland. It's the uh, Lost City of Zed. Right, it's a really really good film. Uh, they actually shot in the jungle, and um, it's quite funny. Yes. <laughs> I thought like the I thought the Zoom lady was starting to sing the song or something. <laughs> Just... The Zoom lady. Um <laughs> you know the woman who comes up and says the recording has started or something like that. Uh, oh, yeah, no, yeah. no, the, it's funny because you know the whole story about like Apocalypse Now was filmed in the Philippines in the jungle, and apparently like Francis Ford Coppola went up to Roger Corman and said, like, oh, I'm gonna take this film out into the jungle. And Roger Corman was like bad idea and uh, i think james and Gray he was right <laughs> he was right and uh you know a lot of people a lot of things happened uh the film went over budget they used uh uh they used helicopters from the philippines army and there was a revolt or something happening in the country and during one moment when they needed them they were flying away um all featured in the documentary heart of darkness which is a fantastic uh documentary uh but no, James Gray, he shot the film in the because the film is set in the Amazon jungle. So this um, is the Lost City of Zed. This now. is the lots this is the Lost City of Zed. And um he went to Francis Ford Coppola to ask for advice. And I think even he gave him the same advice. And I think he should shoot in the jungle. And um they they had some pretty hard times shooting in the jungle. I think like Charlie Hunnam, I think like pretty much everyone who worked on that film just lost weight in sweat because it was so boiling. And like 
you know the humidity they couldn't shoot digitally because like the humidity would just turn off all their like anything electrical like computers and cameras so they shot the whole film like they used film to they shot on film um imagine that really really beautiful film based on a true story um you know i think it's it's an interesting film about the the that whole idea about you know humans and humanity trying to exceed their grasp and trying to you know you know go further than they've ever gone before that kind of thing based it's a really really fantastic movie charlie hunnam who of course is famous for sons of anarchy He's he's fantastic in it, and uh, so is Robert Pattinson. This is getting a lot of airtime. This you know shout out, but uh, okay, fine. It's a beautiful, um, beautiful looking I'll film as well. All right, all right, all right, all right. Um, it's uh, other ones that could have made the cut. Barton Fink is a great film. Um, yeah. Jean de Florette, which is all about uh, all about the heat and running out of water, um, and of course Lawrence of Arabia, which is a, one of the best films of all time and set in the desert. But you knew that already, so we're kind of. Give, making space for other films um, on this uh, on this occasion, but Bridge uh, of the, the River Kwai. That's also a that is another sweaty film, very sweaty film. In fact, we did we should have had more jungle films on this. Maybe maybe when we do hot films part two, we'll, we'll add some jungle films. Or hey, put it another way, we can do top ten jungle films. That's true. Yeah. Mm. So um, yeah, watch this space jungle yeah. fans. I saw you put um, signs of life. That's the Vona Herzog. Yeah, I put that in as a potential as well. That's that's quite hot and um, and quite um, quite weird as well, uh, but a great film. Yeah, I mean, like a lot, uh, of, a lot, a lot of Werner Herzog films, they go to some really weird places. Aguri, the Wrath of God. That feels like it could be a hot film. Yeah, I haven't seen Fitzcarraldo. Again, that's another one of the films that was filmed in the jungle and also like a real pain in the ass. Film. Right. So it sounds like sounds like we've got to do top ten jungle films at some point. So yeah. Um, we both need to do our homework and watch Fitzcarraldo because it feels like that would have to be number one. Um, okay, so should we move on with the list? Yeah, so at number five is uh, probably one of the most influential horror films of the 1970s, and that is The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, directed by Toby Hooper. Which, who... embarrassingly, incredibly embarrassingly, I've never seen. Yeah, um... I like this film. I think the more times I watch it and the more I think about it, I actually really do appreciate the movie and the its place in horror history. And it, it it's a movie. I mean, I can't even like call it a movie because I can't. It's like it almost feels like it's a documentary just because of the way that it's shot. And it's like the authenticity of the like all these people don't even feel like actors. They just feel like actual people in that part of Texas. And um they you could really every time i like when you watch this movie you could just smell everything you can feel the heat um you could just like even watching it you could just feel like the heat like just emanating from the tv or computer or wherever you're watching it it's just a real like it's a real experience of a, of a movie like when you're watching it you just it's one of those films you just have a really hard time trying to shake off and um it was a bitch of a movie to make uh a lot of people really did did not like working on this film, mainly because of the heat. Mainly because I mean, I mean, Marilyn Burns, who plays Sally Hardesty in the film, she has like the most, the hardest role ever because, like, and she's really like pushing herself, you know, through the ringer, and she really got hurt in a lot of scenes, particularly mm. when she's running through the woods, being chased by Gunnar Hansen, who played Leatherface, you know, and you know, anytime she's like running into a tree or anything, you know, and getting cuts, that that's all real and. I think oh, she gosh. might have even jumped through a window 
for for real in one of the in one scene in the movie and like yeah i mean there's like one scene that's really memorable it's like a it's like a dinner scene where she's sitting around the table she's like knocked out and she wakes up and they're eating and it's hinted at that these people are cannibals and they're based the, the the family is based on ed gein who the butcher of Plainview, who was a uh who was a serial killer and a grave robber and um yeah it's a it's a it's a it's an interesting movie and it's it's a hot film it's a sweaty movie it's a scary movie as well i think horror and heat go pretty well together yeah um, and let's do horror and cold I, again it's that thing of putting your character through extremes you know yeah i mean just, and also it's an it's an it's a it was a tremendously low budget movie and of course they couldn't afford a lot of things so a lot of the actors are doing doing their own stunts a little bit but yeah i mean it has chainsaws is not that you know advisable yeah i mean it has a it has a tremendous legacy and um you know of course toby hooper went off and had you know he had a pretty cult uh film uh career i know that uh every time when i listen to the podcast the f this movie podcast i know that patrick bromley uh, patrick bromley the host of that uh, podcast he's a really big fan of uh toby hooper and um yeah that's another good podcast by the way if you like film podcasts yeah yeah it was a bit of the one of the first few films that kind of maybe like helped you know bring the slasher genre to uh into you know into you know into 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 the sort of public and um it, it, i mean a, a lot more like nuanced than 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 it appears to be in some ways I'm, I, I need to like watch it again and really look into it to kind of back that up but it has like it has some real and that's what i've always heard from people who watch it it's like the title is sounds like an exploitation movie and a sort of b movie but actually it's an incredibly interesting film um yeah and my friend andrew's a big fan of it and um i know others who are as well um so I, yeah, I, I do need to add it to the list. It's one of those films I always have trouble convincing um, my better half to watch. Um, yeah, but yeah. ironically enough, I mean, given the title, it's just, it's not that much blood in it. Well then, I'll use that as a justification for watching. It's, 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 it's more of a, like, ugh, it, it's a dirty film. It's a hot, dirty, dirty, <laughs> dirty film. It's not like it's not like Evil Dead, where like blood is being projected at the screen. And I mean, the blood, Evil Dead is a is a wonderful black comedy horror film, but like this is just a completely different, you know, breed of animal. It's just it's it's um, it's 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 something. Well, I know I must watch it. It's like one of the yeah. most yeah iconic films of all time. I I have no excuse. I will watch it your recommendation just makes me even more excited what's uh what's that number four at number four is the treasure of the sierra madre yeah this is a hot film because it's set in mexico which is where um a lot of hot um hot stuff happens south of the border um south of the border oh god down mexico way it is a john houston masterpiece um uh it is obviously the i mean everyone knows this film everyone's seen this film um but um you know it's bogart it's tim holt it's walter houston they're three hopeless american um kind of drifters in mexico who go off to prospect for gold and find it and then of course it tears them apart there's also another great simpsons episode that takes the piss out of this but we don't have time for that now um the film is a in many ways, uh, a love letter by John Houston to his father. Uh, Walter Houston won an Oscar 
for this for best supporting actor um but but the other players are excellent i mean this is one of bogart's most kind of intense performances i think um and um and i think this was a huge influence on uh, peckinpah this movie uh, I think The Wild Bunch, another sweaty film, uh, The Wild Bunch, uh, you know, draws a lot of inspiration from this. Um, but it's, um, you know, it's it's a cracking kind of adventure film. It's a kind of film about um, friendship and how it can fall apart and how, you know, how um, greed can, can destroy people. Um, and, um, you know, uh, I just think Houston is one of, I don't know whether to call him underrated is the right thing or not, but he's not mentioned in the same breath as people like, you know, some of his contemporaries, you know, Orson Welles, Hitchcock, etc. It's like, he, but he is an intensely good director and a great writer and he display and, and a good actor, as it turns out in, uh, you know, Chinatown and other things. He's also in this film briefly. Yeah, but, he has a he has a ca- he has a cameo. It's like three times. Like Humphrey Bogart tries. It's in the beginning of the film. Humphrey Bogart tries to like. He keeps asking him for yeah, money. Get him, get him, yeah, can, can you you know give me a peso or something? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean this was his this was his uh, this was his fourth film as a director. Yeah, I mean he's he's just he's so prolific and he's also done so so many absolute stone cold classic movies. Um, and right through, I mean he's you know he he makes great films in the forties, fifties, sixties, and seventies. And um, so, you know, just a, just an incredibly gifted director. But yeah, it's um, I think um, I think Sierra Madre is uh, is fun as well because it sort of plays a little bit with the Western genre, but um, you know, it's um, it's not an out and out Western. It's, you know, it's, again, it's that weird thing that's kind of a combination of a film noir and a Western. But it, it's really its own uh, its own beast and. Um, and it's never really been remade, um, which is great. Um, mm-hmm. And it's—I I think it's incredibly fresh feeling. Like it doesn't feel dated in any real way. Um, and I think that's testimony to the writing and the performances, uh, and to the way that Houston, you know, films on location and um, and all of that. Um, it was one know, of the. There's a, was one of the of, there's a spirit of sort of enterprise and adventure in this film. Yeah, it was one of the first film Hollywood productions to actually shoot on locations outside of the the, the United States. Really? Yeah, they shot in Mexico and, and that's Durango. so interesting because of course you're right. Yeah, but it's so interesting to think that basically through the 1930s, when people were making films set in China and Shanghai, and I mean, sorry, Shanghai is in China, so China and like Russia and India and blah 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 blah, blah and they're all just filmed in Hollywood. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Location filming. So yeah, um, uh, I think a worthy um, pillar of the sort of cinematic pantheon uh is john houston and and this film is is among his very best maybe it is his best yeah i think so too i think probably like he was pretty much at his peak at this point and in, in this sort of part of his career like in the 40s and 50s i mean he did this and then he did key largo and then after that the asphalt jungle the african queen and i haven't seen the unforgiven i would like like to watch that that's not very good yeah that's where yeah. the sequence comes to an end um, uh, he, did, he did the misfits after that which is a incredibly yeah incredibly a, depressing a, film but also an, a, a brilliant film yeah i mean to think look at that you know he has so many just just in that list you mentioned there you know to think that he some the same man can direct misfits the asset jungle the maltese Falcon, and the african queen and the one we're talking about um you know and he also turned in other things like he did the moby dick adaptation which is supposed to be very good he did the man who would be king um, and he also did a uh, wise blood, which I recommend. Yeah, which, you've, which you've talked about. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, uh, John Houston, 
bit of a legend. Um, but yeah. uh, what's next on the list? Uh, nups, uh, nup, nupstick. Uh, up, uh, up next on the list is uh, Do the Right Thing, directed by Spike Lee. And Spike Lee did, has actually listed uh, The Treasure of Sierra Madre as uh, one of the 85 films every aspiring filmmaker should watch. And uh, it did inspire a, a little bit. It did, it did inspire a little bit um, of his film uh, Five Bloods. That's right. It it does actually um, bear a, um, have an influence on that. that they is, do. They do have point. the stinking badges line in the movie yes. as well. Yes. 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 Of course. Yeah. That's um. How could I forget? Yeah. No. Um. Uh. That is um. That's another good film. But yeah, do the right thing. Very very hot film. Um. And the heat, obviously, uh, this time in an urban location, you can really you know the way like concrete kind of stores and radiates heat uh and you really feel it the way they uh the way they put it together the sort of color palette of the film is very hot and of course it contributes to the way the film kind of plays out yeah a lot of red and dark colors which just kind of elevate the sort of heat in the film but um and and, and you know people who work in kitchens and who you know who are who don't have access to any kind of you know relief from the heat they're either outside there's the fire hydrant of course there's the yeah. Um, you know, uh, the drinking, <laughs> you know, that all comes up. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but it is, I mean, it's, it's just a, again, it's like, it, it bears a bit of a resemblance to Streetcar in the way that it's quite static in terms of its, mm. it doesn't go, we don't, we're not going on a big journey. We're not going down to Mexico. We're on one street in one part of the city. Um, so it has a theatrical quality to it. Um, but it's so full of, um, you know, cinematic dynamism, um, and um and just evokes new york um so brilliantly it's like evokes uh, i think it's set in bedsty isn't it like it's so uh um yeah it's 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 like one of the quintessential new york films um mm. have we done a top 10 new york films i can't remember we have done it we did a while ago in 2017 when we were actually in new york we did do a new york special episode but we haven't done a top 10 new york episode yet no no, we haven't. Um, something to consider. Um, but yeah, I mean, what's left to say about Do the Right Thing? We've talked about it a number of times. It's come up in a few top tens, isn't it? Um, and um, we did talk about it on the ensemble casts episode, I think, and on the dance and the dance one. So yeah. it's come up a lot. So you know, there's not a lot left to say except that the one, the line I always think of, or the bit I always think of um, when the heat is mentioned, is that bit at the beginning where Samuel Jackson's radio announcer is talking about what kind of day it's going to be you know a hot day full of i can't remember the exact line but it's great and his his presence in the film is this kind of greek chorus is so um it's so brilliant it's, it's one of the many film, the things that makes this film just absolutely perfect i i just have so much time and love for do the right thing yeah i i have a great admiration for spike lee and his films and the sort of feelings and just what he kind of evokes from his movies um he's a fantastic director and i look forward to his next film whatever that's going to be yeah yeah the last couple have been really good black klansman and uh the five bloods were both um yeah and also the film he did before black klansman called chirac which is kind of like a which is based on which is actually based on a a greek play about uh it's it's about gun violence it's really really good movie huh and samuel Uh, jackson plays like this kind of greek chorus narrator who kind of or just like guide through the film. He's great in it. Oh, cool. Oh, I must watch that. Great um, cameo from Dave Chappelle as well in the movie. <laughs> uh, 
um he's been he's he's in a bit of a bit of trouble these days dave chappelle of course but yeah he uh, is yeah he never is never mind let's yeah. move on um what's at number two so at number two is the jonathan glazer film sexy beast it was his uh, directorial debut he had been an advertisement director and also done a bunch of music videos and this was his first film as a feature film director and um yeah it does make you want to kind of move to Spain and hope you don't have a guy like Ben Kingsley coming out of nowhere and telling you, I need you to come back to England and do a job. Um, yeah, it's it's a brilliant, like, simple but effective British gangster film that doesn't have that kind of in-your-face aspect that Guy Ritchie kind of has in his movies. Like, it's really kind of... It almost has that uh, Long Good Friday like a low but like a real sort of like grounded low but long good friday uh kind of feel to it so ray winston plays a retired safe cracker or bank robber or something like that and he's living in spain with his wife and they have a couple of friends that live out there both from britain and the opening of the film he's just you know he's talking about the heat and he's like all tanned and everything like that and then uh, Peaches by the Stranglers plays on the soundtrack in the film and uh, he's nearly crushed by a rock that rolls down the hill and uh, lands in the pool which I think is like a great interesting way a very surreal interesting way to start the film and then you well, know it also has a lot to do with how the film it's symbolic as well of how the film develops from there yeah exactly and uh, that, that scene by the way is I mean that's why it qualifies ultimately like the, this film is 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 nominated on the strength of its opening scene. Although the rest of the film is obviously, there's a lot of, most of it's set in Spain and it's, it is very hot feeling. Um, but that, that opening scene is just, it's a scorcher, isn't it? And the, yeah, the, the choice of the stranglers is great. And um, always makes me think of Keith Floyd, of course. Yeah. Uh, and um, um, I mean, yeah. And then he gets brought back out of retirement when, uh, when Ben Kingsley's character shows up and uh, even before Ben Kingsley even, is in the film we get that this guy is actually a real hard case and everyone's kind of frightened by him and rightfully so because ben kingsley is terrifying in this movie he is just an intense beast of a of a man i don't know that there are many other characters like well there are many characters who are who are portrayed as being sort of massively disruptive community shaking kind of evil violent figures um and you know there is different degrees of success with how those are portrayed i feel like the 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 three things that make this so incredibly effective um and make this one of the most kind of classic examples of that character who just comes into a film and destroys the equilibrium of whatever's going on is the the first thing is the way the other characters react to how the other actors react to him the way he's talked about the way he's set up and then it's the delivery of ben kingsley he is amazing he's incredible uh, as yeah. this what's his name um uh, uh, don logan don logan yeah um and his i mean he's this little wiry bald just like like intent like beyond intense um sort of um like you know crazed and probably like 
I don't know, what would you say? Like on the spectrum or something? Like there's something there's something wrong with the guy. He's I don't... neurodiverse for sure. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, uh, and and I mean, it's, it's usually incorrect to say there's something wrong with people, but there's something very wrong with him. I think definitely something happened to him as a child that made this guy who he is today yeah. in the film. Yeah, there's a lot. Of, yeah, the, and um, and he I would, just. I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he was abused or something like that. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think there's some hints about that kind of stuff. And 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 his whole um, the way he tries to convince Ray Winston is like you know where Ray Winston does be like no and he'll be like yes and then Ray Winston be like no and he's like yes 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 yes. <laughs> it's like it's like I'm not going to take the job. No, I'm not going to take the job. No, you're going to take the job. Yes. <laughs> And that bit where he's like, no, 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 no. It's like, it's like, you louse, you got some fucking neck, ain't you retired? Fuck off, you're revolting. It's just so good. But yeah, if that wasn't enough manners for one film, you also get Ian McShane. Yeah, as Teddy Bass. Who's like a sort of proto Al Sorangin, sort of Cockney Al Sorangin. Yeah, he's like, I mean, he's like a quiet psychopath. Like he's... I mean, yeah, he's he's a, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't do to have two loud psychopaths in the same film. Yeah, I think he sort of balances out quite well. I mean, there is one great scene that Ray Winston and Ian McShane have. It's it's towards the end of the film. I, I mean, I like the scene, but it's like it's a very it's a scene that I feel like if it was in an American film, I think it would have been overly written. And I think there's enough subtext in there of how that what the characters think of each other that it, it's effective just as it is. Like it's short and sweet, and you get. It's a film where it's like you really get all the backstories and you get the history without yeah. so many moments of explaining and it's, and it. And it's short. It's, it's yeah. an hour and a half. Yeah. yeah. And it's a good heist movie as well. It is a good heist. Well, yeah. If we make a top 10 heist movies. Um, Got a good heist sequence. It's so, I love Sexy Beast. It's another one of my favorite movies. Um, I just think it's... Um, I just think it's such a thrill ride and so stylishly done. Um, definitely a product of it. Definitely a product of its time. I would say. Yeah, it but, feels very turn of the century, doesn't it? Yeah. It's a very, it's a very early two thousand film, but I still think because of the people in the film and the way that they portray the characters and just the whole style of the film, I think it still it it holds up very well. Oh, yeah, I mean, it absolutely holds up. But, can, uh, but you, can you imagine being at the Oscars and just trying to be like because. Ben Kingsley was Oscar nominated for the film and just feeling like, um, what scene should we use for the clip in, in the US when we read out his name? Because he swears so much in the movie. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, well, luckily not my problem. Um, I do need to go soon. So let's do number one. So at number one, of course, is a film that has already been uh, mentioned by the Best Film Ever podcast, and that is Cool Hand Luke. You were right, best film ever podcast. Cool Hand Luke is the sweatiest movie of all time. What we have here is failure to communicate. Strother Martin. Strother Martin is one of our heroes, uh, and so it's great to have an opportunity to talk about him. There are so many of our favourite people, actually, in this film, because we've got Harry Dean Stanton as well. Um, I am a huge Paul Newman fan. Um, and uh, But yeah, Strother Martin. Can we talk about him for a second? Like... He shows up in all kinds of movies for like two seconds. And then all of a sudden, it, as part of, um, really as he's really as part of Sam Peckinpah's stock company, he sort of comes alive in the 60s as a sort of Western character actor. And he, um, you know, all films that are sort of Western adjacent like this one, because he has that draw. And, um, you know, he's not, you're not going to see him playing a lot of like 
New York bankers or whatever, but he is so good at, at this sort of, you know, he's the prison warden in this film. And um, he was very, very funny, but could also be sort of quite menacing and quite um, uh, manic feeling, you know, so well, not manic exactly, but sort of un, unhinged, um, but and, 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 and very dry. And he's in, he's sort of, he's on that sort of dry, slightly menacing end of the spectrum of this in this one. Um, uh, and just yeah, he's a very enjoyable actor to uh, to watch. Uh, people will remember him as the uh, gold prospector in uh, in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, who who Butch and Sundance go to work for at, at one point. Um, but yeah, he's he's uh, he's he's great. But uh, this film obviously had uh, George Kennedy, who got the Best Supporting Actor Oscar for it, um, and yeah, and Paul Newman, who's who's brilliant. And, and Clifton James, Sheriff J.W. Pepper is in the film as well. Oh, God, yeah. Um, but Paul Newman's just so... And Dennis Hopper. Jesus Christ. Dennis Hopper. Paul Newman is so fantastic in this. Um, and, um, you know, it's about this this man who, you know, he ends up in prison just for just some stupid vandalism and just, you know, uh, become, you know, it's sort of institutionalized. He's like a dark version of Nicolas Cage's character in... Uh, raising Arizona, you know, a man who feels like he can't not be in prison and yet who yearns to be free. And yet what does freedom look like for someone like that who, you know, ultimately just wants to be in prison or, or feels like they're designed to be in prison. Um, it's, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really sad film in many ways. And uh, um, I think an indictment of prisons, which are, you know, an out model, outmoded form of punishing people I feel like anyway um but um you know uh also a lot of fun like there's a there's a great camaraderie in this film uh, in a lot of those scenes um and it's a film about you know rebellion as well so it's of that it has that 60s uh yeah 60s late 60s fun. rebellion you know you know fuck the system kind of thing yeah exactly so um uh so yeah def- there's 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 lots of layers um but extremely sweaty my goodness um some sweaty parts include the bit where he's locked in the hot box um and then the, when they're working on the chain gang you know um that's pretty sweaty um and um uh yeah just in 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 all those scenes in the like bunkhouse jailhouse whatever that want want to call it um and um uh, yeah it's uh you feel that you feel the stifling heat. You can feel that you can hear the insects, you know? Um, yeah. The crickets and everything like that. I mean, it's also yeah. just like, it's a great, like Luke, like Luke is a very interesting and great and great character. And I feel like the only person who could have played him. I'm great. Yep. He was, he's, great. Paul, he's great. Yeah. He's, he's great. <laughs> the only person who could have played him was uh, Paul Newman. Yeah, I think, I think so. Um, I mean, I mean, I mean, they had Jack Lemon or Telly Savalas before Paul Newman came and said, what? "I want to do this." What? <laughs> That's what I'm reading on Wikipedia. The leading role was initially considered for Jack Lemon or Telly Savalas. What kind of part could be played by either Lennon, uh, Lemon or Telly Savalas? Like that's like imagine Telly Savalas in the apartment or Telly Savalas in some like it hot. I don't think so. <laughs> Oh my God! Telly Savalas playing a woman—that wouldn't have worked. <laughs> Pretend, playing a man, know, like, oh, playing maybe it would have worked too well. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, have you seen that uh, that Ethan Hawke documentary about Paul Newman and uh, Joan Woodward? That's on uh, HBO at the moment. 
I am not, but I've been considering rewatching um, one of my favorite films, Road to Perdition, recently, which was his last great performance. And um, yeah, I mean, he's just he's just one of the one of the most fantastic um, uh, characters out there to emerge in Hollywood. Such a stylish man. Again, speaking of Alan Delon, I think maybe someone who could give him a run for his money in terms of male beauty, and I actually think is even more beautiful in some ways. It, it is Paul Newman. Um, yeah, that, I mean, I've seen like people keep posting pictures of Paul Newman. There's that great picture of him when he's in Venice and he's yes. on the yes, yes. I was going to mention that one. Yeah, he's, the other one he... I like of him is where he's looking all scruffy with a beer. Yeah, that was like later in his life. But yeah, he was like very, very handsome man. Even in like his old age, he was still he could he looked great and just and charming to like just could charm the pants off anyone. I reckon like he's just so. He's delicious in in uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, and and um, uh, and but he's very good in this, and he's sort of tortured in this one. And he did have a good line in playing kind of tortured characters because he also he played a very good Billy the Kid in the Left Handed Gun. Do you remember that? Yeah, and he was also great in um, as a very very unlikable character in HUD, where he played the title role. That's another sweaty film, I reckon. Have you ever, uh, you've, you've never seen her? Uh, no, I haven't. I need to watch it. Uh, um, it's, it's it's a it's a fucking bleak movie, but it's really good. Uh, well, anyway, Cool Hand Luke is kind of a bleak film, but it's also kind of an uplifting film. It's very yeah. sexy, very of its time. Uh, it's also incredibly sweaty, and I think I am too. Uh, so I have to go and jump in a shower, and then I have to go somewhere else. Um, so um, can we knock this on the head? Yeah, let's do that. So let's round off the films. Uh, number 10, Ice Cold and Alex. Number 9, Body Heat. Number 8, Lapisine. Number 7, Bad Day of Black Rock. Number 6, A Streetcar Named Desire. Number 5, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I nearly did the chainsaw hands thing from C-Lab. Sorry. Think we've, they've, they've heard you do that a thousand times, Anders. We yeah. can't afford to lose any more listeners. <laughs> number 4, The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Number three, do the right thing. Number two, sexy beast. And number one, cool hand Luke. Brilliant list, I think. But remember, lists are bullshit. And if you think ours is bullshit, you can tell us by emailing us at homesmoviespodcast at gmail.com or tweeting us at homesmoviespod at homesmoviespod. Great. Uh, or you can get in touch with us individually if you're a creep. Um, I'm the <laughs> Northampton Dane on Twitter and Anders is something else. At Fabricius91. And we're on Instagram as well, so you can look at all of our pictures of food or Anders's holiday snaps from Mallorca. Um, yeah. <laughs> and we're on the brilliant service that is yet to be ruined by billionaires, but probably will soon, Letterboxd. Uh, so if you like films and if you like logging films and checking what other people like to watch and making lists and that sort of thing, which I love, then go on Letterboxd and while away all your valuable time doing that instead of doing something useful. Um, yeah. I have to go, but it has been a pleasure. Yeah, it's been really good fun. Uh, I have some ideas of what we could do for our next top 10. But, Why don't uh, we talk about them another time? Because yes, we I can do have to leave right now. Yes, we can. Um, yeah, so thank you very much for listening. Uh, do check out other all our other podcast episodes as well. Uh, food scenes, that was a pretty good fun one. Yeah, um, yeah. so yeah, hope you uh, enjoyed this episode. Uh, and uh, if you haven't seen any of the films that we mentioned, do check them out. Yes, yes, all worth watching. Um, good. But yeah, I've been Anders Holmes. Thank you very much I've for listening. Yep, bye. Bye. <laughs>